Stavar nice water by his matters. I wrote from Cheshvil the Toyva from Rabbeinu Alexander. He talks about with Moshe Rabbeinu. He talks to the Benagod and Arivim, right? They wanted to stay on the other side of the Yarden because they have a lot of nechusim, they have a lot of a lot of behindness, a lot of animals that they want to take care of, and they want that they should have with a bee, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, you know, you, you don't got your priorities straight. Right? You have to make the Iker Iker to what Rashi explains. That some people, that they, they were chasam they were, they were taking more care of their money than on their children. Moshevani said, no, that's not the way to do it. I see Iker Iker, the Tofel Tofel. You got to make the Iker and you got to make the Tofel. So Rebbeinach asked, what's the solution? I see Iker Iker, the Tofel Tofel. You know, why is he stuttering? And he said, you know, you, he, just, he just had to tell them, you have to prioritize. You know, you can't make everything the same. Right? And the Lushan Apusik, it sounded like Gidra's um, Tzoyin, so we have animals, we have kids. So he's saying, no, you have to prioritize. So he explains, no, everybody prioritizes. Nobody has everything in life the same. Everyone's prioritizing somewhere. Some people just don't know what to prioritize. Like, like the, 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 the joke, yeah, some people put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. You know, you got to put the emphasis on the right, on the right place. Mishravani was saying, I know you have an ikr and a tofu, but you got that mixed up. I see ikr, ikr. Make the ikr for the ikr, but tofel, tofel, and make sure the tofel is a tofel. What's the main thing is the main, and what's not so important should be not so important. And make sure you got that straight. So that's just a very important idea because sometimes when it comes to relationships, it comes to marriage, it comes to chenechabun, it comes to children, there are people that they're just not emphasizing it enough. They're not they're not putting in enough effort like they should. They're not investing enough. I mean, some people tell it to me clearly. They say, you know, I know I should be putting more time in my trip, but I don't, I don't have the nerve, I don't have the patience. If you don't have the patience, there's nothing wrong with that. I know, I know it's, it's difficult, it's, not, it's stressful. But sometimes not having the patience is coming from investing your energy somewhere else that you happen to think is more important. And that's a problem. I see Iker, Iker, Vitofel, Tofel. And I just want to add another thought to that. And that is, even sometimes people that do have the priorities straight. In other words, somebody who knows that his children is everything, comes before everything else. But there alone, you could be emphasizing the wrong point. Sometimes you're taking your children's chinuch very seriously, but you're putting emphasis on what your child is doing wrong instead of what he's doing right. Well, sometimes you're emphasizing something that's irrelevant in the chinuch habunim part because you think that that's important. Maybe that's the devolution. I see ikr ikr v'tofel tofel. When in the ikr alone, you have to make sure you're emphasizing the ikr of the ikr and not getting carried away with something that isn't. And you know, this is something I think is important for the question I want to address now because when a child is doing something good, even if it's just a small thing. That should be the biggest emphasis. Making him feel good about what he's doing right. And when he has something wrong, that should be, you know, you have to, you have to take care of that. Not a question. It has to be taken care of. But it shouldn't become everything. So remember, I see ikr, ikr, tofel tofel. You have to know that even when you're putting the emphasis on the right part of life, make sure you're doing it in the right area of, of, of that part. Whether it's your marriage or your children or your Yiddishkeit or whatever it is that's really very important. So let me just read a question. Thank you again. Okay, I guess this questioner had already thanked me once. Um, thank you again. I'm continuing to enjoy your classes on Torah Anytime and your weekly essays very much. Okay, so for those who want my weekly essay, you could email me as well. I think it's parshalessons at lahair.org. Parshalessons at l-e-h-a-i-r dot o-r-g. I give out a weekly essay on, this, on the topics of Shambayas and Chinuch. Okay, I now have a Chinuch question. I have a very bright and good and highly, highly fragile six-year-old son. He Hashem likes to do what's right. Lately, he decided to read the entire Krishna every night. We compliment him on it, and he feels good about it. The last few nights, he started asking me for a prize when he finishes, because he said it so nicely. 
I don't feel it's the right thing to do. I don't, I don't want him thinking that every nice action needs to be rewarded with a prize. I told him that he's getting a huge mitzvah, gave him a, an extra little thing for a snack, but told him that a prize will, I will have to think about. I'm wondering what your take on this is and how to respond to my son's request. Thank you for your time. Okay, very good question. Right? My son's asking for a prize for every little thing. Is it good to get him used to that? Should I make him think that he deserves it, you know, just because he did something, something good, or, or it's not necessary? Now, I don't mean to be uh, pessimistic, but I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume that, that there are difficulties with this child as well. And let me tell you why. I mean, um, you know, a lot of what I deal with and talk about and write about is about fragile children, fragile people. But the fact that this questioner is describing a child as highly, highly fragile will make me uh, assume that this child's not so easy. Now, I don't mean to say the child's a difficult child, but there are challenges when somebody's extra fragile. Okay, and if you're noticing it when a child's six years old, then chances are that you already saw how hypersensitive or how resistant or how, uh, you know, challenging this child may be. Um, and the reason why I'm saying it is because, just for starters, just for starters, right? Baruch Hashem, he likes to do what's right, you, you say. Well, you have to thank Hashem for that. You have to thank Hashem for that. It's, you should be very thankful. Now, I don't mean to imply that a fragile child um, should be doing less of what's right than someone else. They have to be more thankful. But unfortunately, and this is something I wrote about separately in a, a little book called The Fragile Factor, unfortunately so many people, so many children, so many teens who have problems with Yiddishkeit and problems with whatever kind of rebelliousness they're dealing with, unfortunately it comes most often from hypersensitivity. When a child's, when a child's very sensitive and highly emotional and, and, and easier to be irritable and, and more resistant than whatever else, feeling emotionally challenged more often, that's often a reason for a child not a reason, that doesn't justify, but often that's a cause for a child to be less submissive to authority, to do less of what he's told to do, just because there's a natural resistance. I don't like when people tell me what to do. I want to do my own thing. Why are you bothering me? There's something about it. That, and very often, I deal with situations, people come to me about where a child is specifically not doing what he should be doing. And most often, the issue at the core is the child's very sensitive. He can't handle being told what to do. And feeling boxed in or controlled or whatever it is, is just very challenging for such a child. So the fact that your child likes to do what's right is something to be very thankful about. Now, it doesn't stop over there, but I'm just pointing it out. You have to be thankful. You have to thank Hashem that even though he's very sensitive, he likes to do what's right on his own. That's wonderful. As a matter of fact, it's those children that are very sensitive and like to do what's right that often excel and are the best they could be because part of the sensitivity brings that black and white thinking and because I want to be good, I want to be the best. And because I want to say Krishna, I want to say the whole Krishna. And because I want to do what's right, I want to do everything that's right. And I want everyone to notice it. Okay? So, now, the first thing you want to do is obviously thank Hashem. Um, I, I will give you some credit, though. Right? I'll give credit to parents. And I, I don't mean Dafka, a six-year-old, but I'm just talking about it here. But I will give credit to parents of a child who is highly sensitive and wanting to do what's right. Very often, not, not to criticize those, those that aren't in the situation, but very often when a child's feeling controlled, he doesn't want to do what's right. And very often a child's doing what's right because he's not feeling controlled. And, and I mention this just because this week, this past week, I was dealing with a, with a situation of a, a, a bukhar who's 18 years old and highly fragile, very sensitive, and doing everything right. Everything right. The parents uh, just wanted to come to me for one reason, because there was one episode that mamish threw him off course, totally. Now, okay, once you look at the personality, once you start understanding you know, how we dealt with things and what his style is and what the characteristics of his nature are, you start realizing, whoa, he really always was all along very fragile. But because they were dealing with him so correctly, and I, I don't mean that they were walking on eggshells necessarily, I don't think it's the right thing to do, but because they were dealing correctly, they weren't challenging him, they were making him feel very good, and giving him a lot of attention all the years, 
he was he was thriving and excelling, you know, unbelievably, unbelievably. Now, when when he did hit a ditch, he hit it very hard, and that's what happens. What I what I call hypersensitive children, right? Like a piece of glass, it can last very long as long as you're taking care of it. And the one time you throw it down and it breaks, it doesn't. The fact that you took care of it for eighteen years, now you threw a rock at it, it doesn't help much. But my point is that I give credit to parents who, when they notice sensitivity and fragility in a child, they're very careful with it. And they try to make the child feel good about it. And they let him do things on his own a little bit. And then they compliment him about it. And they make sure that he feels like he's God's gift to humanity. And that's usually what helps the child thrive very much. So, aside being thankful to Hashem, I like to credit parents uh, who, who are able to help their children grow like that. And it's not easy. And sometimes parents try, and, and they're not successful. And it's all fine. We're, we're all only human. Um, so now, aside from thanking Hashem, that your child is motivated to do the right thing, what you want to do is you want to make sure he stays that way. And you want to continuously, continuously praise him for it. And I'll tell you why this is so important. Um, sometimes there are different things that, that, that you know, make people stop praising a child. Sometimes it's either because he takes something for granted, right? He does this already for a few nights, he does it for a few weeks already, and now it's normal. Now it's normal. Now when you don't realize how sensitive a child is, you don't realize how dependent he might be on that, on that amount of praise. Okay? Now does it mean you always have to praise everyone for the rest of their life? I don't know, but he's still a child. And he's going to be a child for another couple of years. So if you keep on praising a child for something, even when it's really a given, you're boosting him, you're making him feel good, and you're giving him all the more reason to hold on to it. As opposed to when you take it for granted, and now it's like, you know, maybe he's not getting the attention anymore that he, that he wanted to get for it, and, and it's less appealing to him to continue this, this wonderful behavior. And this is for everything. It's obviously for, for um, you know, other way, if a child's being derecherzik, or a child's doing whatever it is that he's doing right. You want to keep on making him feel good about it. Um, that's, that's definitely something something important to keep on acknowledging. Another, another thing that people do sometimes, and this is, this is interesting, and I, I remember when somebody did it to me when I was a child. Yeah, I remember when I was in camp, and I was either the best in the Mishnai's group or something, I was supposed to get some fancy award at the end of the summer, and at one point I did something wrong, I don't remember what it was, I said something I shouldn't have said maybe, or I did something that somebody didn't like, and a counselor tells me, yeah, and then at the end of the summer you're going to get up there and get all the attention for being the best in the Mishnai's, right? Now, when you tell that to a child, it's very hurtful. It's very hurtful. I happen to remember it till today. Well, what I mean to bring, I, I'm not upset at anyone for saying it, but my point is that sometimes a child will do something very good and parents might use it as a, as a manipulation, not even realizing what they're doing because they want the child to do something else. So he's, he's fighting with a sibling or he's being stubborn about something. And he said, yeah, and then by night you're going to say Krishna for a half hour. Uh, don't say Krishna so long and stop fighting with your brother. You should never, ever do that. Don't ever use against a child something he's doing right especially a fragile child. So somebody who's very fragile, aside from needing all the acknowledgement and the praise and, the, and, the, you know, and everything that he needs for it, it's important to realize that you should keep on giving it and never use it against them. Very important point. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, a comment like that could throw a child off course and say, you know what, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. So that's something to think about. Now the issue about giving prizes and rewarding it, so I, I want to explain uh, my take on it. I don't, I don't have an issue as much with giving a prize for something good. Well, I don't want to think that everything is a prize. No, okay. I, I understand that you don't want to think everything gets a prize. Um, I don't see that to be the problem. You want to give a prize for everything? Give him a prize for everything. Now, obviously, you don't want to overdo it. That's not my point. You don't want to give a child $100 every time he does something nice. But the idea of giving prizes and rewarding and incentives is not, is not a, a modern idea. The Ramam talks about you know, giving incentives for children that you want to get something that they understand. And as they grow older, you want to give them things that they can appreciate as they're older. Now, obviously, everything has to be uh, relative to what's, what's being done and what's normal and regulated. My, my point is that what I think is the bigger issue with such children is not so much the rewarding them and making them think they deserve a reward, which could be they do. 
is the idea of them demanding it. And, and this is a tricky part. Because sometimes when a child is being very good and he demands something and, and parents are inclined to say, you know what, let me give it to him. He's so good. Now he demands something else. Mm. Okay, but I'll give it to him also. The more you give into a demand of a child, the more he becomes in control of you, of the relationship, of what's going on. And that's not a good message. That's not a good message. When a child says, I need this, you have to give me this, I did that, you, you, th- that's where it's a, it's a red flag. Um, and, and it's just simply an education. And, and very often it's with fragile children. A child's feeling very fragile, very insecure. He wants to make sure that he's feeling in control and he demands something and it has to go his way. And sometimes you'll give in because it's easier for you to give in. But it's not the right thing to do. So I had this recently with a parent, Mamish also just a week ago. They had an issue with a child that they confiscated something from him. I'm not going to go into if it was the right thing to do or wrong thing to do, but that was the point. They confiscated something from him. And he was making all kinds of demands and manipulation that he has to get it back. And, you know, if you tell your child you're not going to give something back until he does something, you know, obviously, like I said, you have to be careful how and when you say it, but sometimes you, you, don't, you shouldn't be afraid of his manipulation. If he says, well, I'm not going to go to school until you give it to me. That's actually what this kid was saying. And very often you're tempted to, okay, so just give it to him because you want him to go to school. Don't. Don't. When he sees you're not, you're not intimidated, not manipulated, he'll probably go anyway, and that's what happened. And that's always what happens. Um, my point is just that I was explaining to the parents, the idea is not that you're in a fight with this kid now. It's not because I confiscated um, your toy that we're in a fight now. Tomorrow I can bring you home a donut from the, from the donut store because I was there and I thought about you and here you are. It's what you're demanding that I'm not giving into. And it's very important. Sometimes even when parents understand that when a child demands a prize or a reward for something, it's not good to give it to him. Okay, but you can give him something else. The point is not that I'm going to punish you for demanding. The point is not that we're in a fight now so I'm not giving you anything. I'm giving you things on my terms. That's very important. It's important for a child to see that you're giving on your terms. And, and I think that in this case as well, a child says, I need a prize, or I need this, I need that. That's where it's fine. I think the parents, I think this parent, of some mother or father, uh, did a very nice thing by saying, I told him that he's getting a huge mitzvah, I gave him an extra little thing for snack, I told him that I'll have to think about the prize. I'm just trying to explain why that was very good. You want to compliment the child for doing a huge mitzvah, not getting frustrated by the fact that he's demanding a prize, and not downplaying, what he's like, what did you do already? So he said, Krishna, okay, so it's a, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Give all the compliments. You could actually give another little thing for snack, not because he's demanding something, but because you want to. And then you could explain that the prize you'll think about and you'll decide when to give it. Now, if you decide you'll give it after a week of keeping this up, that's fine. That's fine. It's on your terms. So that's just an important thing to remember. And sometimes you want to beat the child to it and prepare something in advance so you could tell him what he's going to get for it so he doesn't have to demand it. But now he knows that it's on your terms. So all that is just a puzzle of something that I think is very... Uh, Important. Now, sometimes when a child's asking and not demanding, sometimes, obviously, it has to be the right thing, it has to be in a, in a normal uh, degree, but sometimes for that alone you want to give it to him. If he says, Mommy, could I have something? Could I do this? Oh, you asked so nicely, you could have. The point is not to deprive him of a prize and to say, Well, this is not deserving enough of a prize. The point is that he shouldn't tell you when to give it. If he asks nicely, that's fine. And sometimes the fact that a child's asking and not taking something is alone a reason to say, You know what? I'm proud that you asked without taking, without, without permission. This time you could have. It's not a commitment that you'll get every time you ask, but you're already praising the fact that he's asking and not taking, which I don't know about you, but in my house, uh, I've seen children try to take things on their own. So the fact that a child is, is being you know, compliant and polite and asking nicely for something, sometimes that alone is a reason to say, you know what, you can have it. And, and of course, you'll keep on asking each time, and when mommy thinks it's okay, you'll have it, and when not, not. So all that is just a, a general idea. Now, again, being that a child is fragile, and being that a child... Um, could sometimes be difficult and challenging and being that a child at the same time is doing something nice it's very important in general to never mix and match never mix and match you never want to 
want to, yes, you do this right, but you don't do this right. You, know, you don't want to mix and match. When you talk about the good, it's only good. It's only good, and it's all good, and a child should feel good. You should never feel something else is taking away from that good. Especially a fragile child with that splitting perception I spoke about. Such a child will often, um, will often hear and, and emphasize in his head and identify with the criticism and the negative much more than the positive. So you could say five compliments and only three criticisms, and in his mind, you don't like me. You think I'm a bad kid. Now, that's a black and white way of thinking, right? When there's some negative, it's not positive anymore. So it's very important that when you have a child who's sensitive and this child's doing things right, make sure he identifies with that good. Make sure you're talking about it, complimenting it, um, emphasizing it, praising it as much as you could, telling Bobby and his idea about it, making him feel good about it all the time, mentioning it in the morning, you know, showing how... Pre- and then when something comes up, you can mention that other thing as well, something that wasn't so good. But never mix and match and make sure that you're not... The ratio of what you're emphasizing is what he ends up identifying with. Again, just this past week alone, I was dealing with a situation of a uh, Bukhar, older Bukhar, Shiva Bukhar, very good boy, learning in Yeshiva and learning very well and, and getting along with friends in Yeshiva and, and Yeshiva doing totally fine. At home, um, a little more challenging, um, you know, not getting along with siblings and having criticism, this one's not Erlich enough, this one's not saying a Baruch loud enough, this one's not doing that enough, and it was getting frustrating because on the one hand he's a, he's a good boy, but on the other hand, you know, he's, he's, he's challenging. So, and one of the things that the parents were busy with was the fact that why can't he be like his brother? His brother's so much more accepting, so much more polite, so much more easygoing, doesn't tell him what to do. So I think, I'll just tell you a few small points that I told these parents, and I think it's, I think it's all part of the same, um, same idea. The first thing is that when a child is, is sensitive, and I'm just mentioning it again and again because this is what there's a child we're dealing with over here. Okay? The first thing is to accept the child. The fact that one child is a little more critical than others, the first thing you want to do is accept it. It's okay. He doesn't have to be like his brother. His brother didn't work on not being negative or critical. His brother is easygoing. So, so just the fact that you're comparing them in your mind, and just the fact that you're getting frustrated, why can't he be like his younger brother and just let everyone live? That, that's a certain lack of acceptance. That's definitely, he's feeling that. He's feeling that you're, you're not accepting him for who he is. You're not, and you're talking not. So that's something to think about. You want to accept the child, this is who he is, this is his personality, this is his nature, and I understand that. Now, once you do that and you understand him, you could teach him. You could teach him very nicely. There are ways to teach him things. If you see he's missing a certain social skill, or there's something you want. One example um, that his, his father was telling me was, for example, he comes home, he doesn't say that he's home. I find him a half hour later. Ah, oh, I'm home for a half hour already. Instead of looking down at him for it, like we mentioned, just accept it for the fact that he's not as expressive, and he doesn't, you know, the, his social cues aren't what his brothers are. But you could tell him very nicely, not saying, you know, it's a normal thing to say when you come home. Or, why can't you say when you walk in? Or anything that sounds critical or negative. You can say it in a nice way. I love when you tell me when you come home. It feels good to know that you're here. I would appreciate if when you come in, you tell me that you came home. And sometimes you might even want to add, you don't have to, just so nobody feels controlled or, or criticized by it. You'll see that when you tell him something that way, he can take it nicely. So don't be frustrated why he's not getting it on his own. And don't tell it in a way that's going to hurt his feelings. Those are number two. Now, number three... And this is more than anything else. The fact that he's doing so well in yeshiva is not part of the... You know, some people talk about that like it's part of the riddle. I don't understand he's doing so well in yeshiva, but then... No, that's not part of the question. That's the thing. That's what you want to emphasize. You want to make him feel good a whole day about how good he's doing in yeshiva. You want to tell him how impressed you are and how happy you are that he's doing so well in yeshiva. Now, I know that you're worried about his shidduch and you're worried about his manners and you're worried about... I know all that. But you want him to think that he's worth a million dollars because he's doing well in yeshiva. And that's what you see a whole day. That's what you see when he comes home. That's what you see when he's sitting by the Shabbos table. That's what you see everywhere. When he feels respected and looked up to because of who he is. And back to the six-year-old. 
when he, when he identifies with that Krishna by night, a whole day, that does something for him. It makes him emotionally comfortable. And chances are that he'll be less challenging and less critical of others at home if he's feeling as comfortable as he does in yeshiva. If in yeshiva he's feeling very good about himself and everyone looks up to him and everyone respects him, hmm, maybe that's why he's getting along so well with other people. Now, it might be that in yeshiva as well there are people that are not doing things the way he thinks they should be doing it, but he's feeling respected. So, yeah, I'm better than other people. That's fine. I don't have to knock anyone as long as everyone respects me for being better. But if I'm not respected for being better, then I might be inclined to point out where I'm better than other people. I'd be more critical. So that's, that's, that's tremendous. And that's everything this kid really needs. Attention and, and, and affection and, and, and all that. Acknowledgement. Now, after that, if he's still criticizing someone, there's a way to address it. You can address it by saying, I know you're so erlich. I know it's coming from being well-meaning. Sometimes siblings hear it and they feel offended. If you could tell me on the side, uh, when, when you notice something that, that should be done better, you could. That's fine. You don't have to shut him up and make him feel stupid you know, for imposing his opinions. And when he comes to tell you something on the side, you can actually thank him and compliment him. Thank you for not mentioning it in front of anyone else. I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'll think about it. You know, child's young. Maybe they don't understand. I, I see you're, you're doing so. There are so many ways to work with teaching and criticizing someone without making them feel challenged, but only after accepting them and giving them all the acknowledgement they need and letting them feel so emotionally comfortable that chances are that, that all that negativity will drop very much. And, and this is where sometimes people feel like, I want my kid to change. I, I don't like how he is. I, and you don't have to change him. There's so much that he could do without changing. Sometimes there's so much potential in this fragile, negative, challenging child that he doesn't have to change. You don't, you don't realize what he could really offer. You don't realize what he really has within him already. And that's really what you want to uncover. Um, I, I saw a, a beautiful verse now in the Nehemiah Matsurim, right? The three weeks. I'll say, I'll say a verse in the Maral that I think is so apropos and, and brings out this point so well. This is a famous Rambam the Ramam where he talks about Mashiach and he says that in the Mashiach there won't be any Shinatim the only, the only difference that will be will be the, the Shibit Malchus right? we won't be under the, the Goyim anymore other than that everything the world will be a total Oilam and the Maral asks you see in the Gemurah that the trees will be giving off fruit and other things that we see that it's, it seems like there will be, certain things will change it doesn't seem like it's going to be the world we're used to and he says something very interesting because the world is, is Samgishtal. The world is, is combined of a Choymen and Tzira. There's basically what you would call the soul of the world, and then there's the body of the world. The soul of the world has so much potential, so much potential that it could give out. There's so much that the world could offer. And there were times in the past that the world was offering more than it is today. But because there's so much bad in the world, there's so much, so many, so much evil, and so, much, so, so many things that, are, that shouldn't be there, the, the world is, is being blocked, from being, being withheld from offering all that it could. When Mashiach is coming, when Mashiach will come, there won't be a Shinya Teva. That is not changing the world. It's not that there's going to be Nisim. You don't need Nisim for the world to be better than it is today. All you need is to uncover you know, all that clip and all the, all the shell that's holding the world back from producing what it should produce. So all the things the Gemurah explains and describes that will happen when Mashiach comes are not Shinya Teva. It's not that the world, it's not that there won't be gravity. There will be gravity. That's not, that's not coming from, the, you know, from, from what's being withheld. But there are things that are being withheld and when they'll be uncovered, there will be only good in the world the world will be able to produce so much better. And I think that's such, a, such, a, a, such an amazing thought when it comes to bringing out the best in a child. Don't think you need a nest, and don't think you need to refurbish a child. All you have to do is help him. Make sure that his emotional challenges, for those that are very sensitive, get taken away so that his potential could come out and you should see nachas even from those very challenging children.